The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie and the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 69 One More Night in Carson City 1865 May 11, Carson City, Nevada. Euricity sat at his usual table enjoying the music. The crowd was larger tonight, almost as if they knew it would be Orpheus's last night playing in the bar. They called for an encore again and again. So the night had run longer than it usually did, and supper was going to be a little late. Hector had already arrived and was sitting next to Euricity, squirming and fidgeting. I want to go outside, can I? asked Hector. He'll be done in a minute, and then we'll have supper, Eurycity answered. For the first time, he noticed the women. Most of the audience was made of women, and as they listened to the music, they tried to attract Orpheus's attention. They pressed their lips together, or played with their hair. He even caught one woman pulling down her bodice so that her breasts popped up a little bit more. He laughed to himself. They were going about this all the wrong way. It was like trying to lure a bobcat with a head of lettuce, and after all, Orpheus belonged to him. They were playing a game they had already lost. Gunshots from outside the saloon stole Eurycity's attention from the music. He stood up to look over the crowd and pulled the single-action army pistol from his holster. He could see a mob of men pushing their way from the entrance toward the piano. The bar was too full for them to move quickly, and they had to push the crowd out of their way. At their lead was the old man in the tattered Union uniform. Euricity pushed Hector down under the table. He then slowly set the table on its side, so that Hector was shielded from the rest of the bar. With the excitement at the center of the bar, no one seemed to notice. He crouched down next to him. Okay, kid. I want you to go out the back door. Head over to the stable, get a cart ready. As soon as Lee gets there, take him to the cabin. You can do that for me. Yes, I'm going to go get him. When he gets to the stable, take Lee, go home, and don't wait for me. I'll catch up. Got it? I got it. I love you, Edgar. Don't worry. Go get him, and I'll protect him for you. Hector promised. Go. Eurycity commanded. Hector ran. He smiled at Hector, then stood from his hiding place to face the bar. There he is, boys. The fucking Colorado kid. The old man pointed at Orpheus. Orpheus stopped playing the violin. The player piano continued without him. He bent down, placed the violin into its case, and closed it. Euricity studied what he could of the men. The women separated and started to leave. The old man now had a pistol drawn and pointed at Orpheus. His three friends had rifles. The other men in the mob following were carrying other weapons. Eurycity wasn't certain of how many. How many bullets do you have? Eurycity asked himself. Six in my pistol, ten in my belt. How many bullets do they have? Twenty-seven in the old man's pistol and the rifles his friends carry. In the mob... I'm not sure. Can you kill them before they kill you? 
Probably not, but I can get Lee out before they kill him. Will you trade your life for his? Yes. Why? Because I love him. Then do it already. Eurycity agreed with himself. He waited for his moment. I'm sorry. I'm not the Colorado kid. My name is Lee. I play the piano and the violin. Orpheus said as he held up his hands in surrender. Shut your mouth, boy. You got two options. Give us our money and we'll hurt you. Or don't give us our money and we'll kill you. I don't have any money. I'm just a musician. Orpheus explained. The old man holstered his weapon so he could step closer and grab Orpheus by the collar, his fists entangling the fabric of his shirt. I don't believe you, said the old man. So we're going to take you out back. We're going to hang you upside down from a tree and beat on you for a while to see if that money just doesn't fall out of your pockets. The men with rifles still had them pointed at Orpheus. As the old man dragged him from the piano, they turned to leave the saloon. They dropped their aim as they turned. The old man's pistol was put away. The rifles were pointed at the ground. This was the moment. Eurycity fired, killing one of the men with the rifles immediately. He walked forward as he kept shooting. His second shot killed another. His third shot knocked the man to the ground. The old man had let go of Orpheus by now and was reaching for his pistol. Eurycity fired two more shots into his chest. He fell dead. The man on the ground raised his rifle, and Eurycity shot him with the last bullet in his pistol. It was empty, but maybe they didn't know that. Eurycity raised the pistol to the crowd. All right, hold it right there. Don't move unless you want to be next. Eurycity called out to them. For a moment, they stood watching, doing nothing. Lee, bend down, take the pistol off the floor and hand it to me. Eurycity said in a harsh whisper. He ain't got no bullets left, a man in the mob yelled. Fuck, Eurycity exclaimed as he felt the other pistol slip into his other hand. He reached out, and firing left-handed, he shot into the crowd. He was never as good with his left hand, and later he would always be a little envious of Paris, who could fire with both hands. The shots went wild, and if they killed anyone, it was purely by accident. Eurycity pushed Orpheus. He grabbed the violin case and ran for his table, firing behind him as he went. He pulled Orpheus down behind the table, crouching with him. He handed Orpheus the case and reloaded the single-action army pistol. He dropped the old man's pistol. It was the wrong caliber for the ammunition he carried, and it was now empty. When I say run, run for the back door, got it? Eurycity instructed Orpheus. I can't leave you. I'll be right behind you. I'll cover you. Go to the stable. Edgar has a cart waiting. He'll take you to my cabin. But what about you? Lee, you are going to save Edgar's life for me. And I am going to save your life. I'll catch up with you at the cabin. You have to trust me. I trust you. All right, then. Ready? Eurycity took a deep breath, smiled at Orpheus, and then said, Run! Orpheus ran for the back door, hugging the violin. Eurycity followed behind him. He shot the two men in their way. The men had spread out around the saloon, their guns drawn. He shot a third man as Orpheus disappeared through the back door. Eurycity closed the door and locked it. He turned to face the bar. Standing in front of the door, 
keeping anyone from following Orpheus. The crowd surrounded him. Stupid move, boy. We want the kid, and if we have to go through you to get him, we will. I'll kill you first. Eurycity held out his gun, pointing at the crowd. You can't kill us all. You'd think that, but I've killed more men than you. Then do it. One of the men stepped forward. The mob circled around, leaving Eurycity with no way to get out. I don't think you can. I think you're out of bullets again. I think you're going to die, and we're going to get the kid anyway. The man moved closer, standing in front of Eurycity's gun, fearless, as the others held out their weapons to him. You're wrong. Eurycity fired the pistol, and the man's head exploded. Eurycity fell with the dead man, as the other men, surprised by Eurycity's shot, hesitated and missed. Eurycity ran, shoulder first, into the middle of the mob. He knocked one man down, and then turned and began kicking and punching at the men surrounding him. They couldn't shoot him in fear of shooting each other, and Eurycity pushed them closer to the front door. He scratched, he bit, he used his elbows, his knees, his pistol. He fought with everything that was in him, but as he made it through to the other side, the man on the ground grabbed his ankle, and Eurycity fell. He turned on the ground and shot the man holding him. He let go of him as he died, and Eurycity got up, running for the exit. The mob fired. Bullets went everywhere. They hit the door frame, the doors. Someone shot a glass of whiskey off the bar. One whizzed past Eurycity's ear, leaving behind the whisper of their speed. One of them broke a window, and one of them hit Eurycity. It burned as it passed through him. He put a hand to his chest. He felt it already wet with blood. He began discarding the spent rounds from his single-action army pistol. He reloaded as many chambers as he dared. Then he turned to face the saloon. As the crowd followed after him, he shot at them, killing the first man to come to the door. He held his gun out, walking backwards, watching the crowd. Down the street, he saw Edgar leaving the stable. Lee sitting next to him in the cart. They'd made it. He'd done it. Now there was only one person left to save. Himself. Eurycity was in the middle of the street, no cover, in the open. His only hope was to make it to the alley on the other side. Again, he turned to run. The crowd shot at him, this time hitting him in the side and the calf. He stumbled into the alley and rolled onto the ground. He looked up from the dirt. A man stood before him blocking any escape. He had on shiny shoes and a black undertaker's outfit. Hello, Eurycity. Do you need a hand? Hades asked as he bent down to help Eurycity stand. Hades picked him up and helped him limp to a door at the back of one of the shops in the alley. They were temporarily covered from sight of the mob, but that wouldn't last long. Hades opened the door and helped Eurycity inside. It wasn't until they were inside that Eurycity realized where they were. It was the dress shop. Of all the places I had to die, I have to die in this fucking dress shop, Eurycity mumbled. Don't be so down. Death isn't that bad. Once people get over the initial shock, it's a rather pleasant experience, Hades said as he turned and locked the door behind them. Then, continuing to hold up Eurycity, he helped him downstairs. You can stop worrying. They won't find us here. 
Eurysity looked around the small room. It was clean and bright. There was a cutting table and bolts of fabric lining the walls. Scissors, tape measurers, and tools scattered about the counters. This is what Eurysity would have imagined the basement of a dress shop would look like. Sit up here on the table, instructed Hades, as he began to search the room for different items. Eurysity, I have something I need to ask you, and I want you to be completely honest with me. Who's Eurysity? You are. That's your name, explained Hades. My name is Luke. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure of my own name, yeah? Well then, Luke, do you know who I am? Yes, Eurysity said as he lay back on the table. You're the accountant. The accountant? That's a new one. Why would you call me that? Asked Hades. Eurysity looked up at the ceiling and closed his eyes as he spoke. I've seen you after the battles. After the killing, when everything is done and the bodies lay on the field, I've watched you walk among them. You count them. You tally them. If war was a game, you kept the score. You are the angel of death, and you're finally here for me. The angel of death! (laughs) Hades laughed. I'm not the angel of death. I am Hades, the god of death. He set the tools he had collected on the cutting table next to Eurysity. He looked down at him, laying on the table. You are the angel of death. Me? Yes, you. You were my champion. And what a violent champion you were. Can I see the gun? Hades didn't wait for a reply. He pulled the single-action army pistol out of Eurysity's holster. He held it up, admiring it. What a beautiful weapon. What an amazing scythe for my Grim Reaper to carry. I wasn't the Grim Reaper. Oh, but you were. So efficient. Such a perfect killer. I wasn't a killer. I was a hunter. Hunter, you killed ten men just tonight. When's the last time you shot a rabbit? Well, it's over now. This time you've come for me. Tell me, what was the score? Did I win? How many people did I kill? 268. It can't have been that many. I was nowhere close to that many. Directly and indirectly. The men you killed had families. They had responsibilities they were unable to fulfill. And because they died, others died. Your current count is 268. But it will go up, even as you lie here on this table. How am I supposed to live with that? You failed to ask the other question, though. What other question? How many people did you save? How many people's lives continue because the men you removed from this world? Well, how many? Your current count is 4,856. You had a habit of killing killers. Men who will never get the chance to kill the people they were planning to kill. So, directly, indirectly... 4,856. What? Eurysity tried to sit up and look at him, but Hades held him back down. I'm going to need to cut off your clothes. I'm a doctor, and I can't start treating your injuries until I do that. You're not a doctor. You're the devil. (laughs) You don't think I had time to attend a university and get my degree? I have a doctorate in medicine from Oxford. 
I graduated in 1280, but don't worry, I've kept up with modern techniques. Now, do you think they have any leeches in here? <laughs> Hades laughed, and Eurysity tried to sit up again, but Hades didn't let him. Don't worry. I know more about the human body and its functions than any other being on the planet. I know every way it can fail, and I am well versed in every type of death. Therefore, I know every way it can succeed. I'm going to treat your wounds. So, I need to remove your clothing, but I don't want you to sit up. I'm just going to cut them off of you, alright? Go ahead. What does it matter anymore? Eurysity gave his permission. Hades began cutting the fabric, starting with the legs of Eurysity's pants and working his way up. The devil. <laughs> Such a fun little myth. I kind of find it amusing when people call me the devil. It's easy enough to understand their mistake, but I think in some way, because of it, I am one of the most revered gods. I am remembered, even as my brothers are forgotten. You can call me the devil, if it makes you feel better. Did you lend Lee a yellow violin? No, I did not. My wife lent Lee my yellow violin, and I was not happy about it. So, he did meet you. The musician? Yeah, he's an old friend. You brought someone back to life for him. His friend died, and you brought him back to life? Go ahead, Luke. Ask me your question, and then I will ask you mine. Can you bring me back to life? No, I can't. Can't or won't. Can't. For so many different reasons. But most of all, I can't bring you back to life, because you're not dead. Not yet, anyways. Hades continued to work. Once he had removed Eurysides' pants and shirt, he began very carefully to cut at the bindings that held his breasts flat. The question I have for you is this. If you were dead, would you want to come back? Of course I would. I don't want to die. That's not necessarily true. You charged into that crowd, knowing they would probably kill you. You locked the door to the back of the saloon, instead of going through it and barricading it from the other side. You turned to fight the crowd, instead of trying to get the sheriff or some other official that could help you save Orpheus. Every time you pulled your weapon, you've known it could be your last time. But you didn't hesitate. You walked into death again and again, and just because you walked back out again, it didn't mean you wanted to. How did you put it? I ain't nobody's mother. I will never be anybody's wife. But now you have a child. You have a husband. With half-made promises to have more. The dream is sweet. But the reality is something you have always avoided. Lee promised to stay with you for the rest of his life. What did you promise in return? My question is this. Would you like to go home with me? Or do you want to see what happens next, knowing that there will be pain, knowing that there will be responsibilities you have always tried to avoid? From now on, your problems cannot be solved with that gun. It will be useless to you. What is to come will be difficult, but it will also be beautiful. Do you want to see it? I didn't say it back. No, you didn't. He 
gave me his heart, and I gave him nothing. You gave him your body. To shut him up. To buy myself time. Why did I do that? I can't answer that. I only know what has happened. I can only speculate as to why. I have to go back. You have to let me go back. I need another day, another hour. Please, I need more time. What do I have to do? That's the complicated part. This is the moment you should die. Your life is supposed to end now, and I'm supposed to let you pass and take you home. Supposed to? Have you ever met my wife? No, I've only ever seen you. Well, I love my wife dearly, and because I love her, it's very, very difficult for me to say no to her, no matter how impossible the things she asks me are. You're henpecked. At most, you've been married a day. When you've been married a hundred thousand years, then I may listen to your advice on marriage. You're right. Go on. My wife has a friend, a little priestess, who I find very annoying and very demanding, but she loves her. That priestess made a request, and my wife made a deal. So here I am, breaking the laws of the universe just so she can keep her word. What does she want you to do? She wants me to keep you alive. I can't bring you back from the dead, but I can prevent your death. Then, I don't have to bring you back. Who was the priestess? Penelope. Lucy? The very same. What was the deal? Oh, she had to marry some idiot. If she did that, then my wife promised she would do whatever she could to keep you alive. Ulysses. Ulysses, Odysseus, whatever. She married Ulysses to save my life. And other reasons. Not everything is about you, you know. Brace yourself. This is going to hurt. Hades began cutting at the bullet hole on Eurysides' side. He screamed in pain. Then he sat still and gritted his teeth. Hades pulled out the bullet and dropped it on the ground. He continued to work as he talked. I want you to make me a promise. A deal with the devil. If that's how you'd like to see it, yes. Go ahead. Shoot. I want you to put the gun away. Wrap it up. Stick it in a box. Put it in your sock drawer. Don't throw it out. Keep it safe. But I want you to put it away. From now on, you are no longer my champion. And you are no longer my angel of death. I'm letting you go. I'm fired. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry to have to do this, but I'm afraid I just don't have any more work for you. Then why keep the gun? There's someone else who needs it. I'm not sure yet who they will be, but someday a child will ask it of you. They will ask you to teach them the skills that made you who you are. Give it to them. Train them. They will need it to protect the people they love. They will need that gun if they are going to survive. Promise me that, and I will promise you in return that one day that gun will kill Agamemnon. The general? You were right, and you were wrong. The killings were pointless. All the people that died, all the skill you obtained, it's like paper in the wind. But my wife has decided it would be a shame to throw it all away. She wants to use you to help another. A girl you don't know, 
A girl not even born yet. A girl who loses everything and dies alone in every life she has ever lived. Her name is synonymous with pain and sorrow and loss. She needs a bodyguard. And that bodyguard needs your gun. I'll do it. I promise. Wonderful. Persephone is going to be so happy with me that this went well. Now, there's one last thing. Hades finished his work. Then, from the center of Eurysides' chest, he pulled a red thread and showed it to Eurysides. There is more to life and death than just whether or not your body is working. There is also fate. This thread represents your fate. Here is where you were born. Hades pointed to the beginning of the thread. Here is where you joined the war. He pointed to a spot in the middle. Here is your fight at the fort. He showed him a section of thread that had been rubbed thin. And this right here? This is where it ends. I want you to understand that when this thread comes to an end, that's when you die. It doesn't matter whether or not your body is whole. It doesn't matter if you want to or if you don't want to. It doesn't even matter, really, what I have to say about it. The fates have determined this outcome, and it would break the laws of the universe to change it. But you're going to. I am. How? asked Eurysides. Hades pulled from his pocket another red thread. This thread represents what's left of your father's life. He gave it up for you. He was given information he wasn't supposed to have, and he made a decision he wasn't supposed to make. So when he passed on, he left you one last gift. This is what remains of his life. How long it is, it's impossible to read. And it doesn't belong to you. So when it ends, one day, it will just end. But it's the only way you're going to live beyond tonight. Do you accept this gift? Eurysides couldn't answer. He just shook his head yes. Hades tied the two threads together, then placed them back into Eurysides' chest. As he did, Eurysides whispered his prayer for the first time. Thank you, Father, for one more day with my family. Okay, you're all done. The mob has moved on, and it's probably safe to go home now. It's been wonderful seeing you, and do take care of yourself. I won't save you again. You're leaving? No, I'm staying here. You're leaving. I'm naked. You cut off all my clothes. Eurysides sat up and swung his legs over the side of the table. We're in a dress shop. Take anything you want. No one's going to notice. Those are for women. I am not wearing those. Under the circumstances, I know it's not ideal, but you could make an exception. I thought you were the devil. Can't you summon up a pair of pants and a shirt? Summon up? <laughs> I'm not a genie. And how many times do I have to tell you I'm not the devil? Hades said as he stared at Eurysides. Eurysides just stared right back at him. All right, fine. Hades threw his hands up in the air. How tall are you? Five foot ten. That seems about right. Hades began taking off his coat and shirt. What are you doing? Do you want a set of men's clothes? There's only one set of men's clothes in this dress shop, and that's the one I'm wearing. Do you want them or not? What are you going to wear? Red pajamas. What does it matter? 
You're right. Thank you. Thank you for everything. I can't believe I'm doing this. Persephone is going to laugh at me. I've chastised her on so many occasions for giving her priestess everything she asks for. Now, here I am, literally giving my champion the shirt off my back. This is embarrassing. I hope you appreciate it. Hades said, as he removed his pants and handed them to Eurysity. I do. I really do. Thank you for everything. All right. All right, just go. Before I change my mind and throw you into a pit of fire. <laughs> Hades laughed. Just kidding. There are no pits of fire. Eurysity limped as he made his way up the stairs. He went to the back door, unlocked it, and peeked out. He turned back to look down the stairs to see if Hades was watching. But there were no stairs. There was no basement. And Hades was gone. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse. Written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.